We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up? Welcome to the uncontested post-game edition, post-Christmas edition. Hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful holiday with your family and friends. We are back here with you. Uh, we haven't talked to you guys in a few days since last Sunday, so it's been a while. The Thunder tonight, unfortunately, drop a game to the Memphis Grizzlies, 110-97. to This is your boy, Jacob. Uh, now on Twitter, just at Jacob Niffin. I changed the at. So if, if you notice, uh, if if you notice someone that the at is different, that'd be me. Uh, but that voice that you just heard, I have Taylor joining me tonight. Taylor, what's up, man? I feel like we need to uh, to mention to everybody when we all first got together for the uncontested. I believe it was me, you, uh, Justin Hickey, and call me it, Nick, Nick and Call me. Yeah, it, it, that yep. was the original group. So it was just swapping Justins. Um, and we still didn't know what our name was going to be when we did a little like test run. And because your name was Mob or Thunder Mob, I said that we should call it the Thunder Mobcast. Yep. You were like, wait, we uh, there's a group of us who actually did this a while back and kind of tried it out. It didn't come together, but there's a bunch of like these Thunder Mob accounts just kind of floating around Twitter. And like you were the only active one. Anyways, I'm really upset that you uh, you changed your name. <laughs> You're all official and big time now, but it's okay. I uh, <laughs> I had that internal debate on. Should I change it to Jacob Niffin MBA or just yeah. Jacob Niffin? You know, I, uh, that's, and that's then true. I pulled my head in my ass, and and now we're here. So, um, so I'll give Taylor, you a hard time. Un- unfortunately, the Thunder come out uh, on a Christmas slump. Uh, the holidays are ruined. They drop a game to Memphis, one ten to ninety seven. It got down as many as twenty again at one point. The last time they got down twenty to Memphis, they stormed back and won the game. Uh, not so much tonight. And so 
I wanted to talk about a few of these themes to the game, and then we have a handful of Twitter questions from you guys that we want to answer as well. So let's start off. Taylor, I think the big reason why the Thunder lost this game is it's really, really simple, and that is just the percentage disparity on shooting the basketball. Uh, On the night, the Thunder shoot 41% from the field, while Memphis shot nearly 55%. 55% is a really, really high number in the NBA. 41% is a really low number. Uh, Three-point percentage. Uh, the Thunder and the Grizzlies actually made the same amount of three-point field goals. They both made 10. That's, yeah, Prob- that's an yeah. interesting stat. Problem is it took the Thunder 10 more shots to get there. Yep. Thunder shot 28% from three, while Memphis shot 40%. Uh, free throws wasn't that big of a difference either way because there were so few free throws in this game. Um, 11 for Memphis, well, 13 for the Thunder. That's total. That's about what Harden shoots in a single game by himself. <laughs> but I was going to say just the, the fact that, and I won't elaborate uh, on this very much so we can keep going, but 13 free throws for the Thunder is not very much compared to what they uh, have been getting this season. And I should have looked up that season average. Regardless, uh, I think that was a good job by Gr- the Grizzlies keeping the Thunder from getting to the line. Yep, yep. And and again, the Grizzlies only get 11 free throws. So, Taylor, that, that's my first big theme of the game is just this this field goal percentage disparity. Um, anything lead into that? Or was Memphis just hot, the Thunder just cold? Was it something defensively on each side? Uh, maybe the Thunder not playing good defense, Memphis playing really good defense. Kind of what did you see there, and, and what kind of led to that that disparity? It, it kind of seemed to me like the Thunder came out cold. They came out, sorry, I have a sick wife in the background. <laughs> it did, it coughing a little bit, but... Um, it seemed to me the Thunder came out cold, and from there they just were never able – like that That led to uh, – for example, it's, I'm going to paraphrase this poorly, but Billy mentioned in his post game about how the Grizzlies were able to get 23 points th- – 23 fast break points compared to the Thunder's six. And he said, well, you know, that seems like a crazy number, but when you take into consideration all of our misses, it really isn't. It makes sense why they would have that many fast break points when we only shoot 38 of 92 from the field. Exactly. I, I and think- and to add on to that, fast break points, uh, when you're get fast, you when you're on the fast break, your shooting percentage is much, much higher than it is in the half court because right. the fast break are, are layups and the half court is against a set defense. So I think that, that Memphis 55% from the field, that's probably boosted up a lot because of those fast break points. Exactly, and I think to uh, add to your point there, the Grizzlies only shot 25 three-point three point shots the entire night. And like you said, they, they were only 10 to 25. So for them to have a 54.8% field, uh, field goal percentage, like you said, I think a lot of those came in the in fast break and also just around the rim. Valanciunas just had a – he just feasted against the yep, Thunder Yeah, he tonight. was 9 of 11. Never Especially forget. in the second half. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I I think, and one of my other themes here was the disparity in the fast break points. I think those two things go hand in hand, like we just said. More fast break buckets makes your field goal percentage go up because you're getting layups, right? Exactly. And and the Thunder missed shots, which allowed Memphis to get on the break. I thought a big theme of this game, though, was the Thunder just didn't get back in transition defense, though, as well. That's a really good point. Right, it Very just good point. Billy called timeout multiple times because this team was just like lollygagging back down the court, and it was not pretty. 
And players you know, who are usually very good at that. Sorry, not to interrupt you, but uh, no, no. Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, um, even Shea. You know, guys who are, are Baisley. <laughs> Baisley's great getting back in transition. And all those guys tonight just looked, like you said, kind of lackadaisical. Um, very much like coming off a, a Christmas break, per se. And yep. so um, I, I think it's a really good point that not only were they missing shots leading to transition buckets for the Grizzlies, but they weren't getting back and stopping those those baskets or contesting those basket, baskets in transition. Definitely. So my next big theme, Taylor, is the rebounds. Uh, Memphis out-rebounds the Thunder by 16, 50-34. Now, offensive rebounds, 8-7, to seven, That that's fine. It's the defensive rebounds, 42-27. Oh, <laughs> where's that, Russ when you need him? Yeah, that, that will lose <laughs> you a game. But again, Taylor, I think that these themes kind of tie into each other. When the Thunder shoot 38 of 92, only 41% from the field, that's a lot of misses. And right. so that's a lot of available rebounds. Whereas when Memphis shoots 46 of 84, that's not a lot of misses and a lot less available rebounds. Exactly. But then right. let's take the points in the paint into consideration. And I, sorry, is that another point you have? If so, I'll stop. Uh, yeah, no, it is one of my points, but go into it. So 66 points in the paint for the Grizzlies compared to 44 for the Thunder. And I think, like you, you know, we mentioned the field goal percentage going hand in hand with the fast break points. I think the, uh, the points in the paint and rebounds go hand in hand as well. When you take into consideration that the Grizzlies had 22 more points in the paint compared to the, uh, the Thunder and I guess 16 more rebounds, like obviously you're going to score more more points in the paint. And that was very obvious to me in the second half. I, I mentioned Valanciunas earlier, but he just had a – he just feasted at the rim. That nobody yep. was contesting him, even Steven, who I felt like had a decent game overall, and he had a pretty good offensive game again. But defensively, he really kind of struggled tonight, And um, as well as Nerlens. You know, both of them had a couple blocks that were really nice, but outside of that – yeah, like positional kind of let, defense wasn't right. wasn't, wasn't super sexy. Yeah, and so th- that definitely the the points in the paint contribute to that field goal percentage, right? True. But me- the Thunder missed sixteen more shots than Memphis did tonight. Memphis has fifteen more defensive rebounds. That's another really right? good point. It, it just very good point. If you're the, if you're the, the, the math shots, is right, right there, right? It right. just it it, it simply it just makes sense. Exactly. Right? The more shots you miss the more defensive rebounds the other team will get. So so all these things kind of pile on to each other, right? The Thunder have a lower field goal percentage, which leads to Memphis getting more defensive rebounds, which leads to Memphis getting more fast break points and getting and out of the break, which leads to Memphis shooting a higher percentage because a lot of their points are coming in the break. Right. Right. And you have it, players it, like Dennis Schroeder, who has been on fire recently. Like like you mentioned, I think, in uh, either your last post game or it was our, our latest group pod, when you said that Dennis Schroeder's been playing the best basketball probably his entire life, but for sure his the best of his entire NBA career. Yeah. Um, he shot 8 of 21 from tonight from the field. Um, you have guys like Nader coming in and getting some more minutes because of the, uh, the Gallo injury and him missing time. Nader comes in, only hits 2 of 9. Ferguson was 2 of 6. And Baisley is 1 of 5. Basically comes in and starts for Gallo. He's only one of five. Like the, those numbers right there are going to bring down your overall field goal, field goal percentage. Um, and when you don't have Gallo playing, you don't have a, a, a reliable score like Gallo. And when he's out of your lineup, you don't really have the luxury of having one of these other guys, one of your main scorers, like, for example, Dennis, to have a bad game. Um, because when he does and you don't have Gallo in that lineup, when he's hurt, 
that's going to lead to, uh, you know, somebody else is going to have to step up and get those points. And uh, unfortunately, Dennis wasn't able to do that today. And that's no knock against him. I mean, he was due for a bad game as well as he's been playing. But like I said, when you don't have Gallo, uh, there's not a whole lot of other players on this roster who really can step up and get those points. So um, that's going to lead to that percentage as well. And and bench scoring was another massive uh, gap in this game. The Thunder had 28 bench points. 20 of them came from one guy. Ugh. You know, and 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 that's a Who problem. Didn't even but shoot that well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just shot a lot. Uh, eight, eight of twenty-one for twenty points is yeah, it, it, it's not great. But Taylor, you, you kind of started to allude to another one of my big themes there, which is the Thunder just lacked size and depth tonight. A- yes. And tonight was the night that it was very apparent. No Gallinari again, and it, it looks like no Gallinari over the weekend on the two-game road trip as well which means that Darius Baisley will be starting <laughs> in Charlotte. And then what's their second game on the road coming up here? Oh, gosh dang it. I meant to look that up before the podcast here. I'll put it up on my calendar. I, um, okay, well, what, whatever it is. Two road the Raptors games. on Sunday at 5. Okay, there you go. So no Gallo in both those games, which means Darius Baisley is starting, which means you really don't have a bench four, right? Um, be, they, they brought Muscala in tonight to play the four off Headman the bench. Headman Muscala. Yeah, so <laughs> missing him, m- missing Gallo, plus missing Hamadou Diallo, uh, that depth just really hurts the Thunder. I mean, there were lineups tonight that featured Dennis Schroeder, Deontay Burton, and Abdul Nader all on the court together. And like that, that lineup immediately, as soon as it went in, uh, was a minus nine. Exactly. So they, and then at the end of the game, the Thunder were running their four guard lineup, the three point guards plus Ferguson. And then Steven Adams. I mean, in that lineup, they had Chris Paul guarding Jaron Jackson Jr., who's like 6'11". You know, they they just they didn't have the size and the depth tonight. And it's, it's looking like that's going to be the theme throughout the weekend is just the lack of size and the lack of depth. Which is a little concerning. Um, but they were able to get it done uh, against the Clippers when Gallo didn't play, right? Which yes. is really interesting to me. Uh, now, you don't have Baisley, who was nearly as aggressive as he was in that Clippers game. And another guy that you just mentioned that I kind of wanted to briefly mention because I know you don't I, I don't think you have him in your notes uh, Ferguson he like I said he he was two of six from the field both of those were three point uh, three point shots or I sorry all of those were three point attempts yeah he only made two of those and um, I thought his defense which has been phenomenal all season overall I didn't think it was nearly as good today he just kind of seemed like uh, we mentioned this for the entirety uh, of the team in general but I feel like. Ferguson was kind of disengaged as well. Did you see that? You were there live. What did you feel of Ferguson's play tonight? Yeah, I mean, I thought he was a little more aggressive shooting his shot. Uh, six three-point attempts I like for Terrence Ferguson. True. His trigger is so fast. It's like he doesn't get set. It's like he doesn't get balanced. He doesn't get his feet squared. He doesn't get his shoulders yep. squared. He just he catches, and it's like hot potato. He's got to fire that thing off his hand immediately. That's such and a good I, I wish he would take <laughs> half a second more to set and shoot. I think his percentages would go up. But but yeah, um, I'm with you. The whole team just kind of seemed uh, a little disengaged tonight, a, a little um, hungover from Christmas, right? If you will, too much uh, too much milk and cookies, I guess. <laughs> One guy who I thought was very aggressive tonight was Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yep. Continuing a theme, I posted on the uncontested Twitter Shea's percentages over the last three games, which was like 55% from the floor, 50% from three, 22 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, two steals. 
tonight gets up 19 shots, only makes eight of them, one of six from three, four of four from the free throw line, three rebounds, an assist, three steals, 21 points. So 21 points on 19 shots. I liked what I saw from Shade tonight. He seemed like he was very engaged. He was pretty aggressive on defense. The three steals are kind of uh, indicative of that. Right. I loved his trigger. He was willing to, to pull the trigger and shoot the ball pretty much at will tonight. Even though the threes didn't fall, they were good threes in the flow of the offense that kind of went in and out that I'm okay with. And and I just I saw an aggressiveness from Shade tonight, even when he was on the court with guys like Chris and Schroeder and Adams, where Shade just kind of took over like it's my show to run right now. I agree with that entirely. And you brought this up just here a little bit ago, but six three-point attempts. Yes, he only made one of them. But we've seen what happens when Shea is making those outside shots, right? It was like last week, two consecutive games, where he had, what, 32 points apiece? <laughs> and so uh, it, it's really good to see him carry over, over that confidence, even when he's not making a shot. You know, I found it really interesting, Jacob. You and Kamara mentioned this, that uh, that Shea looked really aggressive early on in the game. Um, and the entire first half, he looked incredibly aggressive. And it's like the third quarter, he kind of took a back seat a little bit. It wasn't so much his fault as much as was his teammates not really getting him involved. And like Shooter and Chris Paul trying to take over. Or Chris Paul trying to find Steven Dello, for example. But fourth quarter comes around, and Shea gets more aggressive again. And it's really, I, I just, I love seeing him have that confidence. And it just, I'm going to be completely honest, it makes me more excited, I think, here for next season when I think a lot of these guys, a lot of these vets won't be on the roster. Just see Shea just take over in those moments. Or like the third quarter that I mentioned where other guys are taking over instead, it's going to be Shea's team still. Or yeah. at least it's going to be him no, kind I'm, of taking charge. I'm totally really with exciting. you. And we've talked on this podcast about how Shea's kind of go-to move is to catch the ball at the three-point line. And he really loves to attack the closeout and get downhill and use his length and use his long strides. But we talk about how players don't close out on him very hard because they don't fear the three-point shot and how even if he misses it, he's got to pull that three because if he keeps shooting it, they have to run out there to guard him, and then he can attack off that closeout. Tonight, he did that. Right exactly. Tonight, he, he pulled the trigger. That's what you want to see from him. And and I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with the night that Shea Gilders-Alexander had tonight. Oh, I... Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Also, the defensive end you mentioned as well. He played. I felt like he played great defense. And I mentioned this in my post game podcast. Uh, what was it? Was it last week or almost a week and a half ago? Maybe um, their huge comeback against the Chicago Bulls, where I, you know, Shea. I feel like when he's playing well offensively, it translates to directly to his defensive game. Um, I had a, a different post game podcast about a week before that where Shea had zero fouls, and I felt like it was very um, kind of symbolic of his game as a whole, or representative of his game as a whole, because he wasn't yeah. aggressive. He just seemed disengaged, and I think that game against the, the Bulls, he had like three fouls, and I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. But then you have games like tonight where he has zero fouls, but he has three steals. Like he's just a very uh, sound defensive player who can who can defend without fouling. I think, which yeah. is what, what I've learned. I think that's. That's great. I would like him to still engaged. continue to be aggressive defensively. Yes. You know, Agreed. some some fouls are okay because it means you're being aggressive. I think that's kind of what you were alluding to there. Right. But yeah, I I, I think he's got the tools to be a really really good defender. Um, he's not there yet. 
but I, I think we're starting to see a little bit of growth in that department well, for sure. And, and sorry, I know we want to move on here quickly, but just Doc Rivers mentioned this, I believe, after the Clippers game on Sunday. And um, Chris Paul's mentioned this as well recently over the past week or week and a half. Uh, both of them have mentioned the potential Shea has defensively, which I have found really interesting um, and has me excited. Definitely, definitely. So, hey, Taylor, before we get out of here, we have a handful of Twitter questions here. I love from it. Some of our followers. So let's burn through these TQs real quick before we get out of here. Uh, the first one comes from John. He's at John Edwin 755. He says, why does T. Ferg lack so much confidence? He passes up too many open shots. Whenever he gets the ball, he seems to want to rush pass to someone else. I'm rooting for him, but damn. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I kind of agree with John here. I don't think it's a lack of confidence thing. I think it's, I don't know. I saw Terrence dribble the ball more tonight than maybe I have all season. And so it's, to me, that's good. Him firing up those threes, six threes also tonight. Good. I like that as well. But I, I don't know if it's just an uncomfortability of him putting the ball on the floor and attacking. But he does hot potato with a lot. I think he's got the mindset that whenever he catches the pass, he needs to swing it quickly. Um. But, yeah, I, I wish that, that he would be a little more aggressive and try to attack closeouts and stuff a little bit more. Taylor, what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree completely. And like I said, I think the analogy you made earlier in the podcast about hot potato is a good is a very good analogy for Ferguson because uh, playing with guys like Russ and PG early in his career, his first, what, two seasons in the NBA, now playing with guys like Chris Paul, he's not he, – he hasn't felt the need to just, you know, take control of a game or create his own offense. It's very much been either I'm going to catch it and I'm going to shoot the ball if I'm open or I'm going to catch it and I'm going to pass it to one of these other guys. And um, and I, I think it's almost like a, a byproduct of who he's played with so far this early in his career. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing at all, but I think he's capable of a little more. And I think the Thunder also, as a, or an organization, think he's capable of a little more. So I'm with John um, and with you, Jacob. I, I would like to see him put the ball on the floor and attack attack the rim because we, we've seen his, his explosiveness off the floor. Because um, I think he has a lot more to – we're just kind of scratching the surface of Ferguson. Yeah, it just seems like he's timid. Right. No, it, maybe it, that, yeah, maybe that's right. just a personality right. thing. You yeah, know? that's true. Like, do you remember the night his rookie year whenever he exploded against the Lakers and had all those crazy dunks? He had like two, uh, two fast break, like – Windmill dunks, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We talk sometimes. We talk about fusing Thunder players together. I would <laughs> love a fusion of Ferg and Homie. Homie's aggressiveness with Ferg shooting and defense. I think you and I have tweeted that out multiple times, like yeah. with the GIF of um, uh, the the fusion uh, dance yeah, from fusion Dragon Ball Z. Dance, right? Yeah, yeah. Trunks. And okay, go to. <laughs> let's get through a few more of these TQs. Uh, the next one comes from Trevor Rush at T Rush Twenty One. Is Gallo actually injured, or are the Thunder close to a trade? Please knock on Gallo's front door and report back. Thank you. <laughs> um, Trevor, so we kind of joked about this, uh, Taylor and I, I think privately the other day whenever he didn't play in that Clippers game. Yep. Uh, I think he's legitimately injured. If if it was a one-game thing, like like against the Clippers, and then you hear post-game, like a Woj bomb come out that he got traded, then, yeah, you can put the two and two together. But it wouldn't be a, a prolonged thing. Maybe his ankle is a little sore and they're just being overly cautious and giving him some time to rest. But I don't think they're they're holding him out, claiming it's an ankle injury while secretly working a deal. Um, maybe for one game, like I said, but, but not for four games, which it's going to be. So yeah, I agree with you. And I will feed into this just a little bit, though. Um, 
the fact that Billy said today that they aren't worried about anything structurally and they don't think it's a serious injury, yet he's not going to go on this two-game road trip um, and is going to miss, I guess that'll be four games by the time that road trip is over Sunday against the Raptors. It does seem like they're trying to keep him healthy. Yes. With the trade deadline coming up. Or also, like like we mentioned, um, I know, Jacob, you and I were talking about this in our Slack earlier, um, about like the possibility of an extension or a sign and trade this summer for Gallo. Um, I just, I, I think they are trying to be cautious with him in case they do decide to trade him because he's a very, very valuable trade piece or because they do want him if they decide, you know what, let's go ahead and push our chips in and uh, try and make a run for the playoffs this season since it's going to be a weak draft class, for example. Definitely. I, I think so. this is, um, this is load management. Right. 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 Slight, slight injury. So we're, we're going to sit him for a little bit and load manage him. Kind of uh, like Harden on that play mid-game. Oh, uh, my Christmas God. Day. That was embarrassing. <laughs> um, next one. Let's go with Trenton Schnitzer. He's at Trenton I know him from Wasso. If you were Sam Presti, would, what would you offer Minnesota for Carl Anthony Towns? Oh, boy. I would trade. Um, I would offer everything, not SGA, and like two or three first-round picks. And I'm not sure even then that would get that deal done. Yeah, I don't think that would get the deal done. And I I don't think Presti's really interested, to be honest. Agreed. Um, you, you trade for Carl Anthony Towns. You have him for the next three years. Then he can walk in free agency. Um, you know, he's it's not that he's old, but he's already off his rookie scale deal. It just doesn't seem like a Presti move. If, if Presti is going to trade for a player that he really wants, I think that player is going to still be on a rookie contract. So I don't think, number one, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is available. Number two, I don't think Presti would be interested. I mean, obviously you kick the tires, right? Hey, we'll give you Adams and a first or something. But but I don't think there there is like legitimate um, willing to, to push all the chips into the middle to get Carl Anthony Towns. That's just my opinion, though. I agree. I agree with you. Um, Another one. We Let's go. We about Muskie. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to jump on that one right here. Let's go. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's Twitter the, at. The one with the Z? Yeah. He told me um, just to call him Nate <laughs> on my last Okay, from Nate. <laughs> Muscala got some relatively big minutes at 11. Do you think it's solely due to Gallo being out, or is Billy trying to get him more reps? Also, do you think he would play better if he would have gone with the superior Super Mario Bros. world instead of the Super Mario Brothers 3 for the tattoo? That is awesome. I also know that. That's a good that. question. Um, first off, Super Mario Brothers 3 is better than Super Mario Brothers world. So there's that. <laughs> I'm going with that right now. Fair. Uh, number two, I think this is solely because they needed size tonight. I agree. I agree completely. Although, yeah. uh, the only other thing I will add to that is um, that Nate added some fun facts tonight for us while we were um, losing to try and lighten the mood, which I really appreciated. <laughs> while I was, I, so, Jacob's phone almost died on, in the peak because the peak just drains your battery because there's so many people. Yeah, and I didn't charge it before I went. So, so we did a, uh, did a little um, relay race, and he passed the baton to me. And um, so, yeah, Zane gave me – or Zane, goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nate gave me some really good um, fun facts, one of them being that the last president of the, um, Players, the Players Association that we had on the team before Chris Paul was Derek Fisher. Yeah, um, He was the last under player to be the, the president president of the Players so Association. We- and there's one other I can't remember right. Oh, the, the last non um, 
non-California Western Conference team to win the California finals? or Texas or, or Texas uh, NBA okay, champs gotcha. was Seattle the yep. Seattle SuperSonics before they became the Oklahoma City Thunder. So some really good, really good fun facts there. Definitely. Uh, hey Taylor, let's get one more question here. Cool. It's from uh, uh, Juice G U I C E. He's at nine knee three. If you could go back, would you still trade Clark? He's referring to the draft night trade Clark for Baisley. Um, and the Thunder got a, a future second out of that as well. He would have been great with SGA. Perhaps speeds up the rebuild also. Um, so I talked about this because I had the last Memphis post game as well. It's interesting. I mean, Clark obviously is a good player, but you also have to remember Clark is four years older than Baisley. When Baisley gets to be Clark's age that Clark is right now, Baisley will already be off his rookie-scale deal. He will have four years in the league, right? And right. that's that's pretty significant. So this is a question that, you know, immediately right now if you were trying to win, you take Brandon Clark over Darius Baisley. But if you're playing the long-term game and the upside game, you know, I, maybe Brandon Clark, what he is right now is just what he's going to be, right? Whereas Baisley has a ton of growth ahead of him. So it's it's this question is almost impossible to ask. It's like right. you're going to have to ask me again uh, six years from now. Right. You know? And then like you mentioned, Jay, just him being older, uh, obviously he's played more basketball. But the fact that he played, what was it, three or four years um, in college and basically didn't play in college at all. He actually exactly. took a year off from basketball, just training. Um, and They're at already... two di- completely different points in their exactly. basketball career and their life. Right. And, and it, so it's really hard to compare. that Baisley's had against NBA, you know, the top NBA level talent. Um, the flashes that he's had already, with all that already said, as like a little disclaimer, like I, there's lots to be excited about with Baisley. Um, it's going to take a lot of growth. But just as an example, uh, I can't remember if this was during the game, like during halftime, or if it was after. Um, while I was kind of putting some notes together, but there was an interview with Baisley when he was doing one of the holiday Thunder, you know, Thunder Cares events. And I was just looking at his face. He still looks like a baby. And it was one yeah, of those things does. that like reminds me of like the Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant thing. And you know, when we drafted Russ and Kevin Durant and you, you like we still had Russ obviously last season, you would look back at Russ's interviews, for example, or Kevin's interviews. They look like babies. And then you look at them, you know, now and you just, you can't even believe that it's been that long since the Thunder first drafted them and how far along they've come since they've been in the league. I think we're going to think the same exact thing at Baisley here in four to five seasons. We're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's changed so much in a sh- very short period of time. Definitely. I mean, he's 19. I was a dumbass when I was 19. <laughs> no, you know, right, a complete fair. dumbass. So he's got a lot of personal growth to do and basketball growth to do. So it's a really hard question. To, it's a legitimate question. It's just a really hard one to answer. Right. So, all right, Taylor, you ready to get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the intro. Hey, I'm uh, just like the Thunder. I'm not super engaged here right now. (laughs) Hey, thank you guys for checking out the podcast. Again, we hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful holiday. If you're new to the pod, make sure that you go and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Drop a five-star rating while you're at it. If you're a continual listener, shout out to you guys. We super appreciate you. Again, Thunder dropped this one to Memphis. Uh, It was a rough one, 110-97, but they are back at it again tomorrow night out in Charlotte, North Carolina to take on the Charlotte Hornets. We will be back with you guys with a post game for that podcast. Well, Taylor, do you got that one? I don't think so, but maybe oh, I'll double no, check. I think Kamir has that one. Oh, Kamir, so, yeah, yeah. Kamir, I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Um, have a great Friday and Thunder Up!
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.